This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Views on View. This week, we're, we've got Chris Fritz, member of Hi. the core team. Hi. <laughs> I was too early. Yeah, we're being real professional here. <laughs> was, wasn't it you that was knocking me? This, is, this is actually me at parties, too. Just like, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and uh, I've been announcing this on all the shows that I recorded this week. Which means you can probably figure out what week we recorded which show if you listen to more than one. Um, but uh, I am starting a new show, and it is called The DevRev, uh, The Developer Revolution, Basically Fighting for Freedom and Success. And the idea is that there are a lot of aspects of our jobs or the way that we approach code or things that essentially, to me, boil down to freedom. And I just want to help people figure out how to not have to do the stuff they don't want to do and be able to do the things that really turn them on and light them up when it comes to code. And so I was like, you know what? I just, I want to talk to people about this. And so, yeah, so I'm starting a show. I think it's going to be five times a week is kind of what I'm planning right now. And I'll probably bring a guest in every week and we'll just talk about uh, developer freedom. One, one thing that I'm curious about, Chris, as we get going is what, is, what does freedom mean to you? Like what's kind of your ideal... Um, coding situation where you don't starve, I guess. Yeah, the ideal coding situation where I don't starve. So I, I guess taking a step back, I mean, the, the reason that I started doing like more like freelance or consulting work in the first place, like before I was even into coding, this is back when I was, you know, just primarily doing education work that had nothing to do with code. Uh -huh. um, I decided that like I didn't want to be a teacher like working for a school. Um, but I would work with schools and, and that distinction, like having like, like more different clients and, you know, not being sort of like tied to like one set of relationships too, because like when you're working mm -hmm. somewhere, like you, you build friendships and stuff like that, like that it becomes a big part of your life. So being more like financially, emotionally independent, like made it easier for me to draw lines so that as a teacher, mm -hmm. And also, like now as a programmer, like I can't be asked to do things that I think are just wrong. Like I can draw those firm lines. And, and that's really the, the biggest thing that freedom means to me. Like that's, that's the re reason I started like thinking about the freedom that I had a lot more. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, uh, a lot of this thought process started out when I went freelance as well. I had actually gotten laid off from a job. <laughs> which isn't your ideal setup. But uh, uh -huh. yeah, you know, uh, before that, I had I'd been thinking about, okay, well, where do I want to end up? And it was probably a year before my oldest son went to kindergarten. And I had been thinking, you know what, I want to be able to go to all of his school activities. You know, I mean, just, just talking about some aspect of freedom that, you know, kind of hits you right at your core. It's like, I want to be there for my kids. And so I was looking at freelancing as an option then. But, you know, I never really got around to it until I got laid off and actually got a freelance job. And then we were worried about money and we kind of figured those issues out. And, you know, again, um, you know, 
being free from that is is rather important. It's pretty stressful to not have enough money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, is I like working on projects that I like to work on. I absolutely abhor having people tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have an HOA in my neighborhood and I hate them. Yeah. Hate, 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 hate them. And what's funny is, is the Wait, HOA, what is this? It's a homeowner's association. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So they tell me to mow my yard and I'm just like, it's my damn yard, right? <laughs> Leave me alone. And, get, and, you know, literally get off my lawn. Yeah, literally, literally get off my lawn. You could tell me to mow my lawn from not on my lawn. <laughs> but, 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 you know, it's, it's these aspects of how I operate that, that, you know, at least to some degree, help me avoid some of the negative aspects of things that limit my freedom is, is how I feel about them. And then, you know, being able to work on projects I want to work on, explore technologies I want to explore, uh, talk to people I want to talk to, you know, that's why I'm doing the podcast is because it opens up those opportunities for me. And I think everybody's a little bit different when it comes to freedom. I mean, some people, they just want to show up, get their work done, go home and spend time with their kids. And if that's your idea of freedom, great. But for other people, I think for you, right? Yeah, you, know, you put on all this time on Vue.js. You have the Patreon. By the way, folks, go support Chris. Um, you know, <laughs> so Patreon.com slash Chris Fritz. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, you know, you're, you're setting all that up so that you can spend more time essentially serving the community, you know, and doing, yeah. the, teaching and doing the outreach and doing the things that really fulfill you. Yeah, I want to spend more time like creating free stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but you can't get paid for it directly by. Well, you could get paid directly for it by a company, but nobody's yeah, doing some, that for you. No, no. So, 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 sometimes I, I I do like there are projects that I am working on with clients sometimes, and there's there's like something missing in the ecosystem that they really need, and I'm able to get paid to to actually build that thing and like it is open source or improve like you know, one of the existing, you know, tools working a problem that we're facing, you know, so sometimes I, I am able to get paid sort of indirectly, but it has, right. to be, it has to be a problem that a client is actually having, which uh, also kind of works out for me because like, I, I really care about dev experience. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I am most motivated to work on the things that are actually pains to me. Yep. So and, I'm curious, how did you get to the point where you felt like you could make the kinds of contributions that you make? How did you figure out that was what you wanted to do? Ooh, gosh. I still feel like I'm trying to figure out like on a daily basis exactly yeah. what I want to do. <laughs> you know, there something that I feel very fortunate, something that I'm very grateful for mm-hmm. is that I do have a lot of opportunities for like working on different kinds of things that are really exciting to me. And yeah. the, the challenge is really deciding which of those things I'm going to make time for and deciding like what to let go. So I'm not stretched too thin. Mm-hmm. But what originally got me started, I think, is just honestly, like not wanting to like die with regret. <laughs> That's fair. Like uh, Harry Chapin, uh, a singer songwriter uh, who is, I think, most popular in the probably his peak was his, with it was the 80s or something like that. And he talks about a distinction of like good, tired and bad, tired. Mm-hmm. So like good tired can be a day that you lost, but you know, you fought your battles. Like you fought for what you believed in. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you did your best and bad tired can be a day that you won, but you worked for like other people's goals. You weren't really true to what you believed was right. And, you know, when you settle down at the end of the day, you don't settle easy. You, you sort of toss mm-hmm. and turn. I, I want to end every day. Good tired. Yeah. I want to die good tired. 
No, that makes a ton of sense. I, I, I totally identify with that. And yeah, you know, same, this is the same thing here, right? Is that, did I do something that made a difference in my own head, right? And so if, if I'm out there slogging away because the homeowners association says I have to mow my lawn, <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there are things like that in code too, right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I go in and for the nth time, I test the application by hand because my boss won't let me script it. I'm not speaking necessarily from experience here. Okay, I am, but, you know, things like that. So it's, yeah. you know, how do, how, do I, how do I be happy and satisfied with what I accomplished that day? How do I win yeah. today? How do you feel like you're, you're actually really doing a good job? Are you asking me how I know? Or how I feel? Sure, yeah. H- how do you feel? Like, how do you measure yourself? So there are a few things. I mean, it's it's hard to quantify it all in like one succinct idea, mainly because I mean, I have some long term things I want to accomplish, right? And so, am I making progress toward that? Am I making progress toward it every day? I mean, some of those are really hard to measure. So what I do is I tend to sit down and prioritize what needs to be done. And then every, every day I list out five things I have to do to get me closer. And if I get those five things done, then today's a success, right? If I get more than that done, more than a success, but I have to get at least those five things done. And sometimes I don't make it, but most of the time I'm, I'm able to make it. So, you know, I just, I just grind until I get them done. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I put something on my list and then I start on it and I realize that I have about two days worth of work before I can even get started. And so I amend my list, but at least then I am consistently moving forward on the things that matter. My bar is pretty low. Like I, I basically just try to ask myself, like, did I have a net positive effect on the world? You know, was there like, you know, more happiness, more joy, maybe like less unnecessary suffering because of the things that I did overall, like certainly in a day, you know, I, I might make some mistakes and like, you know, if I... In terms of code, if you, you know, push something out and you push out a bug and it like hurts a lot of people, like that's, that's painful. Even if you weren't yeah. trying to do anything wrong, like that, that always hurts. Uh, so it, no day is going to be perfect and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to like inconvenience or frustrate other people sometimes. Uh, but I just try to have a net positive effect mm-hmm. every day if I, if I can. And I, I don't make it every day, but if there's too many days in a row where I don't make it, I feel really, really bad about myself. When I say mm-hmm. too many days, usually like one is enough to start making me feel bad, <laughs> but right. you know, two or three. And like, I start falling into depression. I don't do that. I, I've been yeah. there, but yeah, yeah so it, I, I hear you there. I mean, sometimes I have to take time off and that happens, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. So for like open source work in general, one of the things that I sometimes ask myself is recently I've been talking more about uh, more about this kind of thing with Henry Zhu from the from the Babel team. Uh-huh. And and he actually started a, a podcast recently called uh, Hope in Source. Like Yeah, he emailed me about it. It's it, it looks like a really great show. Yeah, I, I've listened to a few episodes of it right now. And um, I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. People are interested in these kinds of topics. That's definitely another one that I recommend. And, and he talks about sort of uh, faith in, in relation to your open source work. And in uh-huh. what ways like, you know, building open source communities is kind of like, you know, building a church or like, you know, taking part in, you know, some kind of 
religious community. Uh, and it's, it's really, really interesting mm-hmm. for me personally. Like I, I, I don't uh, attend any kind of church. I'm, I, I'm not religious, but like I can, I can definitely like see a lot of value in those communities. And yeah, that, that's, and, and I think you are religious, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm an active practicing uh, member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, you know, and yeah, so we, you know, a lot of the community aspects are definitely things that I see every week when I go to church or go to different activities at the church. But there's also a component of us all being together and believing mostly the same things and working toward the same goals. And so it, it goes beyond just what you generally think of as community as, hey, everybody, let's come down and have a potluck picnic and then not talk to each other for three months. You know, there's a, there's a real something in common that we have. Yeah. Uh, that's a deep part of who we are. Do you feel like it's similar for open source? In some ways. Do you feel like there's a similar bond or? Kind of. So the, the difference I think in, in some ways is that, um, and I know there are like, uh, you know, uh, broadcasts that you can watch, you know, in lieu of going to church, I guess. But at least for me, my experience has been going to a meeting house and, you know, having a church meeting and having interactions of different kinds with other church members. And so in the open source community, I feel like it's different just because a lot of times it's remote. You know, at least in my church communities, we're working on building up each other. And in the open source communities, the focus is on building up the technology. It can bleed over into building up each other. And I see that a lot. And I don't want to discount it, but it's not the same. Yeah, there is. I, I try to do a lot of that. Like one of my values, like another way that I judge myself is whether I'm making myself more redundant. Mm-hmm. If I'm providing value, but it's value where like, as soon as I die, that value disappears, then I, I feel like I haven't really helped like the human race progress. <laughs> and That's so I, I, wa- I want to like get anything that I learn just like out of my head and into as many other heads as possible uh-huh. uh, and, and make it so that hopefully by the time I die, like I will be completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I kind of, despite my best efforts, I, I want to be like an old timer that no one has any use for anymore. That's interesting. It's, it's funny to think about that way. Um, I guess another way of thinking of that is that um, when I'm gone, that there will be enough people to willingly and competently step into the void that I leave. Yeah. Yeah. You want to build something that's going to last. Yep. Well, and it's the same thing with these podcasts. I mean, a lot of what I'm aiming at with, you know, and I haven't made any decisions on any particular shows is that these shows should be able to go on if I'm not around, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm at a conference or if I take a month sabbatical or, you know, I move on to some other thing and I'm just not interested in being on the panel anymore, or if I have too much of my time taken up and I have yeah. to choose some to quit, that you know, those shows will continue on. And, and I've seen some good evidence of that. I mean, I freaks and freelancer show are shows that I started. I was a panelist on for at least three years on each of them. And then I backed out of them and they're still going, um, you know, so, so I know it can be done, but yeah, it's the same idea, right? It's okay. Well, and, and the thing is, is then that the good that comes out of those shows goes on without me. Like uh, I, I manage the production for the show, but that's it. Right. Yeah. That's something that I, I talked to, to people on the view team and in the view community about quite a lot, like how can we build up each other and create the kind of community that we want to be part of? And because 
even even if a lot of it is asynchronous and remote, mm-hmm. it still is a big part of your life. Oh, absolutely. And you still like see people at conferences and things like that uh, and other events. And like we all want to be like respected and cared for and valued. Mm-hmm. And we want to feel competent in our work and, and we want to have like opportunities to grow. And so I, I know like I try to provide that for like a lot of people on the view team and, and they also uh, provide it for me. Like I, I've gotten so many opportunities to grow and like I, the respect that people talk to each other with is something I've, I've really been grateful for. And it's mm-hmm. been sort of unlike what I've seen in, in most other communities, like including jobs, like where people just like really respect each other and, and listen to each other. Right. And like one person in particular that I really admire for that is Torsten on the view team, also known as uh, Linus Borg. That's his username on Twitter and uh, mm-hmm. GitHub. And like when, when we had him on, one of the things that he talked about was uh, like compassion, <laughs> which you don't hear developers talk about a lot. Uh, you know, how to, how to communicate with each other and how to code with compassion. Right. And I, I think that produces like not only a better community, but better software because you're thinking like you're forcing yourself to think from more perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that helps you see, you know, edge cases and it, it forces you to reach out to people more. Right. Uh, because you want to learn more about their perspectives. Uh, so you, you end up learning more yourself and also uh, like learning more of the relevant details for building the software rather than just mm-hmm. sort of doing it in a void and then hoping the world likes it. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, I really love the, yeah, just, just the ideas behind the camaraderie and the, you know, involving other people and, and yeah, just building other people up. So important. And Sarah, like Sarah Dresner, I would not have like even half of the opportunities that mm-hmm. I have now, if not for her, like she sort of stuck her neck out there in a lot of ways when I was like first, you know, you know, doing more speaking and things like that and said like, Hey, like Chris would be, Chris would be a good speaker. You should reach out to him. And so then people did because they respect her as like an incredible speaker. Yep. Well, and, and, uh, and so that, the, that gave me a chance to sort of prove myself. Yep. Well, and back to the idea of developer freedom, you know, so that, that gave you more freedom, more opportunities, but it's probably within the core of what makes her tick and what makes her feel, you know, fulfilled by what she's contributing, you know? Oh, absolutely. She's pulling people up all the time. Yep. And so, you know, we're, we're all in kind of this position where we can learn from each other on how exactly we're going to make that kind of a difference and how that matters to us or not. But, you know, we all have to look for those opportunities and then make sure we take advantage of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of focus on a few areas when I talk about this stuff. Um, one of them, you know, we've been talking a lot about just fulfillment, right? Personal fulfillment. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, I mean, there are other things that we, we want to do or not do. So for example, just writing some core uh, awesome code in Vue, right? A lot of times there are things like boilerplate or running the tests or, you know, doing some kind of validation on your code or things like that. And a lot of those things can be automated away through use of the Vue CLI or continuous integration or things like that. And so I also push a lot in the area of tools. Um, now I'm curious, do you have particular tools that you use in view that make it so that you either don't have to do the things that you don't like to do or that make it easier to do the things that really kind of light you up 
or, or things like that? Yeah, definitely. So but first, I want to say that I'm a little bit of a weirdo. So I'm, I'm one of those people who actually enjoys like tinkering with pack <laughs> configurations and stuff like that. I, I guess I'm maybe like a, a masochist or something. I feel pretty good when I'm just like hitting my head against a wall for like nine hours trying to, you know, explore different avenues for troubleshooting a problem mm -hmm. like that, that like, you know, being able to like just become completely obsessed with something mm -hmm. and chase it down until you finally defeat it. it. It feels like, you know, defeating like a boss in a video game or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I, I get this moment of like Fiero at the end where, yeah. And sometimes it's a problem that, to my knowledge, like no one else in the world has ever solved before. You know, and I, I feel like some kind of God. It's ah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I really enjoy like troubleshooting and things like that. Uh -huh. That means I, I actually quite enjoy developing that other people will enjoy that keeps them from having to work on things like this so that they can just like focus on what their application is supposed to do, uh -huh. you know, the things that are specific to their app rather than just like weird development problems that don't really have anything to do with their app and don't have anything to do with like what they're trying to build specifically. Yep. And, well, and, and, and those, UCLI 3 is one of those that you mentioned. Well, yeah. And, and the things that, that hang, you know, you, you spend your nine hours banging your head against something to solve it. Man, that is like the, the, the worst for me. I hate that. Right. It's like, why isn't this documented better? Why isn't this easier? This should be easier. I mean, I just go through that, you know, in my head over and over again. And so uh -huh. for me, the fulfillment as far as writing code goes is I write something, somebody else uses it and it makes things better for them. You know, so I, I guess like, I, guess, I just like the challenge, I think. Yeah. And, and, and I, that's one of the points is that we're all going to be kind of charged up by different things. But the other thing is, is that what charges you up, you know, the, the challenge yeah. and, oh, I, I conquered this challenge. It empowers me to go do the things that fire me up mm -hmm. because you figure out, you know what? All you need to do is add these handful of lines to Webpack and it's fixed. You spent nine hours doing that. You feel great. You conquered the beast. Yeah. You say, Although, I, I only feel good. I want to make it clear. I only feel good when, when I'm going to learn something uh -huh. told to me in the future, like learn more about like how Webpack works, for example, or if I'm going to like save a lot of people, a lot of mm -hmm. work, like that's, that's what makes it meaningful to me. Like there has to be some kind of like social connection or future usefulness. Right. No, that makes sense. But for me, you know, yeah. So you empowered me. That makes you feel good. And then I empowered somebody else and that makes me feel good. You know, actually, maybe I'm a liar because I, I just realized, like, I also play video games where there's no social connection. And <laughs> like, it's definitely not useful to me in the future. Uh, so, like, I was playing The, the Witness, like, a few months ago uh, uh -huh. and, like, absolutely loved it. Like, the, the, the puzzles would drive me crazy. And sometimes I'd find myself just, like, sitting there staring at the screen, doing nothing for, like, an hour straight just trying to like work through things in my head and, and like, you know, coming up with different hypotheses for like what this puzzle is even about so that I can solve it. And mm -hmm. that is, yeah, that, that's still really powerful for me, even though it does not help anyone and doesn't, it, it definitely changed the way that I think, but possibly not in a useful way. <laughs> no, that makes sense. But yeah, well, and, and again, you know, I think, I think there's a place for leisure as well, but yeah, you know, we uh, again, different yeah. people have different things that make them really excited. What are some of the tools you're using? You mentioned Webpack. 
Is Webpack something that makes your life better? It is something that, I mean, as much as people complain about it, like it is the best tool for like creating the ideal development experience that I know of right now. Right. Uh, and certainly like configuring like isn't very fun, but with UCLI 3, what we've done is, you know, abstract that away so that you only have to worry about Webpack when you actually care about it. Right. Otherwise, every, like for a view project, everything will just work out of the box, uh, mm. which is like is really powerful. Like it, it allows people to do exactly what we were talking about, like focusing on the things that are specific to their app. Yep. Like not reinventing like solutions to the same problems that like everybody faces that isn't really unique. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's no fun for most yeah, people. Exactly. Well, and uh, for me, it's it, down to things like boilerplate or, you know, certain yeah. forms of, of testing, you know, it's just like, yeah, can I automate this stuff away? Yeah, you can. So, so view enterprise boilerplate is another resource uh, that I built uh, to help people like, demonstrate the patterns that I find really useful for like uh, large teams and or large applications. And also to set up like a, a really robust development experience that is not only like a joy to use, but also makes it really hard to do the wrong thing because it's no fun to like have a pull request that where someone just says like, oh, okay, we actually are following a slightly different convention here. So can you just like change it? And it technically works, but now your, your pull request has just been rejected and uh, you've already moved on to something else and you've got to go back and you've got to fix it. And it, and it feels a little bit demotivating. So I try to avoid those situations as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, like recently, I built some other projects like um, Hello View Components to demonstrate the best practices for uh, building a component library. Mm -hmm. With Vue, it's, it's another one on GitHub, Hello Vue Components. Another one that I recently built, spurred by a conversation with John Papa, actually, uh, another panelist of this mm -hmm. podcast, uh, is uh, Vue Monolith Example, which just demonstrates how you'd structure an app with a, the front end using Vue and the back end, like all mm -hmm. together, and how you manage like routing between the two and things like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so I, I've, like this is this is more of like the trying to make myself redundant kind uh -huh. of thing, you yeah. know. Like whenever I find like really useful patterns that I might want to reuse across applications, it's a good sign that there's probably a lot of other people who could make use of those patterns. And, and once again, that that last one was view monolith example. In case people want to check it out, we'll we'll drop a link in the show notes. Yep. Yeah. So just just trying to make myself redundant so that people can learn those things and then they they don't need me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> So are there other things sort of not code related or I guess a little more intangible that are important to you? Hmm. In terms of like freedom? Yeah, just freedom and, you know, success and fulfillment. Well, I personally really appreciate the fact that I can work from home on yes. all the work that I do, like, you know, working remotely, you know, whether it's, you know, as a consultant or uh, in a quote unquote real job, uh -huh. I, I find it so freeing to have full control over my routines, because like, let me tell you, at least, at least with my brain, and I know a lot of people are like this with their brains, mm -hmm. like a change in their routine can wreck them for the day. Yeah. And, and, and my routines help me so much in like keeping me happy uh, and like, keeping me productive. Mm -hmm. 
And so having full control over that, full control over my environment, like I don't have to negotiate that with anyone except, you know, family, of course. I have to right. negotiate it with, uh, with my wife and my cat. Uh, no no <laughs> kid. That certainly makes things easier. Yeah. Yeah, and, I have that too. And, and that's a big thing for me, you know, just talking about some of this. You know, I, I kind of take it for granted because I've been working from home for so long. But yeah, um, not having to drive through traffic to get to wherever it is I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You, you kind of have more time. Yep. Well, it's funny. I was going somewhere with my wife. What, what was it? Anyway, we were going somewhere and we got out of there at rush hour and we both looked at each other like, why is the traffic so bad? Right? Because we usually drive wherever we're going in the middle of the day. And it was yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, didn't even think about it. You know, things are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I also find it really useful to, this sounds maybe bad, but to not be around people all day. Like, it doesn't matter how much I like them. It doesn't matter how much I like the people. It's not a judgment on the people. But like being like as, as a, an introverted person, uh, being around people like sucks away a lot of energy, which is like fine in spurts. But if it was every day and what I was and if it was always happening whenever I was meant to be getting work done. Uh-huh. It would be so hard. I mean, there's a, there's a reason that like offices were invented so yeah. that people can just like get away and have a room to themselves where they can just like being able to turn off interruptions. And I know there are ways that you can do this in an office as well. Um, but you know, different offices, different office cultures, like make it easier or harder to do this, you know? So having policies where like, oh yeah, if this person has their headphones in, that means only like reach out to them in an emergency or reach out to them through something asynchronous where they can, you know, essentially turn it off. But then something that I feel kind of weird about is like the, the ideal office, I think, for a lot of people is really just an office where, where you're all pretending that you're remote. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point, why not just like allow everyone to be remote and then not have to worry about like getting like noise canceling headphones to like, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, I've worked out the open offices. And yeah. It's it's terrible, and the hey, do you have a minute? <laughs> That's like the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. Well, I guess you can now because you totally interrupted my flow. Thanks. <laughs> Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. And, and online, I, on an average day, I probably get like a, a couple dozen people reaching out to me for different things, mm -hmm. you know, just out of the blue, you know, through like email and other channels. And like, I want to respond to most of those people, <laughs> but if, if it like, that could easily be a full-time job, just like doing that. And, oh, yeah. and I feel like that's what an office would be like if people had like, you know, my phone number and if people knew mm -hmm. where I physically was and they were physically nearby, like I just constantly have people like coming up to me and I'd want to help them, you know, and it's, it's hard mm -hmm. to say, it's hard to say no, <laughs> but I, I guess this is also where 
you know, I, I talked about this a, a little while ago, the, the request system that I use with my wife, Katie, and also like a lot of other like close relationships that I have mm-hmm. uh, from, from zero to four. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll drop a, sh- we'll drop a link to that episode instead of going over it again. Yeah. Uh, so you can, so you can check it out. I won't, I won't introduce the whole system again, but being able to quickly and clearly communicate like what it actually means to you to have your question answered right now versus within the next day or things like that, like is right. so, so useful. Cause I, a lot of times when people like reach out to you, it, it's just because they, they'd like some kind of answer within the next week. Mm-hmm. But someone reaches out to you, especially through, you know, something Slack or Twitter or email where like things can get lost. Like you want to yeah. respond right away. Like it feels more urgent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unless you have systems to like very strictly like manage, like getting back to everyone, which I, I, I admit, like I'm still working on, like stuff still falls through the cracks sometimes. It's hard. How do you, how do you deal with that? You probably get a lot of people like, you know, reaching out to you for all, all sorts of things. Like how do you manage like your time and also <laughs> wanting to help out other people? So uh, you talked about a routine. And I basically have a set weekly schedule for a lot of the stuff that I do. And so if it's not on my calendar, it just isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I, get, I get the emails from people sometimes and it's like, hey, can you help me with blah? Or can you answer a quick question for me? Or things like that. And if it's in a time block where that's appropriate, then it'll happen. And if it's not, then it gets kicked down the road. But can you answer a quick question? That, yeah. that, that one kills me. Because everyone, everyone feels like, oh, they're just asking for something really simple. But when you have like a couple dozen, like often really simple things that people want from you, uh-huh. that can easily be your day. No, totally. So um, when I'm answering emails, I have an email block every day for a half hour. Um, and basically I'll answer a lot, of, a lot of the stuff. I read it and I'm like, okay, that's good to know. And then I'll archive it. Um, but a lot of the, if, if I can't, if I can answer it in less than a minute, then they'll get an answer right then. And if they, if it can't be answered in a minute, then it'll get kicked down to another time block that I have for more pressing stuff, you know, or for other email that's not triageable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't hear back from me for a few days and that's just the way it is because I have to prioritize the other things in order to get the stuff done that I need to get done. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just a matter of, all right, you know, but, but yeah, I, I want to help everybody. And so I do have that yeah. problem where I'm like, uh, yeah, but this person really seems to need it. And I, I really just have to force myself into that place where it's, yeah, but it can't happen right now. Yeah. Uh, because I have a bunch of podcast listeners and podcast hosts that, that are counting on me in, in a different way. And I can't let them down either. Yeah. And, and I want to make it clear, like a lot of people are reaching out because... Like there's something that they'd like to contribute to the community and they're currently blocked and they're reaching out to me to like figure out like, like what the appropriate place for X is or how they can get the resources to do Y. Uh, And I, like, I definitely want to help those people because that's, that's just going to give like exponential returns for the view community. And I'm definitely really, really glad that those people reach out to me. And I'm really glad that most people reach out to me. Like the, the only times when I'm, I'm maybe a little bit upset is when, is when someone reaches out like in a really entitled way. Oh yeah. That bugs me too. It, it, like as if they have like paid for this product and they've paid for like a very expensive, you know, like I support know. line or something like that. And, and I'm that support line and they want to know like why the heck it doesn't work, but I'm sorry. You can't, you can't talk to me like you talk to Comcast. No one deserves that <laughs> Comcast. 
Yeah, no, actually, the, the person that you're talking to at Comcast probably doesn't deserve it either. Oh, I, I unload on companies like Comcast. Oh, but it's like it's just a person. It's true, and then I feel guilty afterward. Yeah, they didn't I realize it. it's some person getting paid minimum wage to sit and talk to pissed off people like me. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, usually it's it's because I'm on their dial list for some reason. It's like quick bugging me. So, so I have another question for like for emails. How do you figure out how to write a short enough response that you'll be able to get at least a lot of work done within half an hour? Because sometimes like I want to give like a really good response and it can take me an entire half hour just to write an email sometimes. Yeah. See, so my half hour block, those cannot be done in there at all. So I'll look at it and I'll ask myself and I only give myself a second to give a gut check. Can I answer this in a minute? Nope. Well, then it goes into the, the other folder. And then, you know, twice a week, I'll hit those other, those other two. Oh, so those are longer chunks? Yeah. So I'll have an hour or two hour chunk. And if I get through the whole folder, then it's a good week for one. <laughs> because I didn't get a lot of long response things that I want to respond to. Um, I've also replied to people and just said, you know, there's a longer answer to this, but here's a short version of it. And here are a couple places where you can get more info. But yeah, sometimes I just write out the long form answer and it takes me 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I think that would help me. I need a, like a needs response folder. Yeah, I think I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, I star them. I use uh, G Suite. Mm-hmm. So I just star them. Yeah, because I, I do find myself once every week or two, depending on my schedule, trying to go and do those like longer emails. But I don't know, sometimes I shoot myself in the foot where like a longer email would be good, but like a really short email would be 80% as good. Yep. <laughs> and I just need to let that be okay. Yeah. And see, I've, I've had to force myself to get over that. The other thing is, or the other trick that I have there is sometimes I feel better about it if I'm writing it publicly. And so I'll put it in a blog post and then I'll send them an email and say, look, your answer or your question was so good that I answered it in a blog post. Here's the link. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then they can just go find it that way. And that way I don't have to answer it again because I can just email anyone else who asks, asks a similar question. Hey, here's, you know, here's a blog post I wrote. And even if that's not the whole answer yeah. for them, I can at least say, Hey, start here and then ask anything you need clarified. So it's sort of like delegating to your past self. I guess that's, yeah. that's also why I build like a lot of these, these resources and, and documentation. Yep. Because I, I, I want to be able to just point people here and, and yep. Have them just say like, oh, thanks. That's perfect. Yep. Past Chris plus Google. That's a good thing. Yeah. And also like other people, because sometimes, you know, there's someone else who maybe has, has more time or, or can possibly even like answer the question much better than I can because they have more relevant expertise. Yeah. Uh, and and trying to, trying to pass it on to them. But I always feel a little bit guilty about that too. Even, even when people say like, hey, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Like for some reason, like I still feel guilty about putting work on someone else when it's work that I don't want to do, even when they volunteer for it. I really wish I could just put my arms around your shoulders right now and say, Chris, Chris, Chris. So I, I delegate to my team all the time <laughs> when I'm answering, especially when I'm answering emails. Yeah. Oh, Michelle will take care of that for you. Oh, Eric, Eric will take care of that for you. Um, and the reason is, is, um, you know, Eric's in charge of editing the podcast and for now, at least the show notes. And yeah. so... Uh, if there's if there's something wrong in the show notes, I'm not going to go fix it. 
I'm yeah. paying him to fix it. It doesn't cost me anymore if he takes five minutes out of his day because it didn't get in right the first time. So I'll, yeah, I'll pass it off. Hey, Eric, I'll take care of that for yeah. you. Thanks, Eric. Um, same thing with Michelle. If it's something that I, you know, I feel like she can figure out, I'll hand it off. Um, but it's not, and this is the thing, right? Is, and, and your, your situation with whoever you would hand it off to might be different because, you know, there are probably other volunteers on the view project where in my case, um, I'm paying them to help me with specific areas of my business. And so, yeah. but the other thing is, is it's not, this is not my job. I'm going to pay some peon to go do it. It's we're a team and this is the role that they play on the team. So they'll take care of it. It'll get done. I don't yeah, feel that, bad about it because that's, you know, that that's what they do. And they, they send stuff to me too all the time. Yeah. No, that, that's nice when the, when the roles are really clearly defined and, and especially when like, that is, that's literally their job. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, for, for, for a lot of this stuff, like for a lot of the things that people reach out to me for, it's not technically my job to mm-hmm. like deal with some of these things, but it's not technically anybody's job and it's still yeah. important that it gets done. Right. And that's a different, that's a different thing altogether. So you either need to create a role for that and, yeah. and just tell somebody you have this role, whether they have other roles or not. Right. You, you figure that out, but then, or, you know, whoever on the team, you know, gets it sent to them is the person has got to get it dealt with. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's another form of freedom too, right? Is I know my role or roles. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I know what, I, 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 what I've got to do. I know what everybody else has got to do. And so working as a team that way frees me up, right? Because then I can focus on my areas of excellence and I don't have to worry about somebody else's. Yeah, that, that's something that I'm struggling with a, a lot right now, honestly. Um, like there are so, there's so much like community work that I find myself doing uh-huh. that I, I think is really important that I find myself having a lot less time like for the actual docs work that I started out doing. And then I feel, I feel guilty about it because like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I try to prioritize things by like the impact that it'll have. And like right now for a lot of the doc stuff, like some of the docs are already like pretty good. Right. And so we can, we can make it better, but it's not solving necessarily like a, as major a pain as some of these other things. Uh, and, and also like there are some things that are just inherently more urgent, like in, in the event space, like I, I try to do a lot of work collaborating with, uh, people who are organizing conferences and in conferences that we organize, like, you know, playing an active role and, and making sure we have like a really great lineup that the presenters are um, like really well taken care of, that they have all the resources they need to succeed, that we like are not creating like an insular community, but also giving mm-hmm. a lot of new people like opportunities to become part of the community and, and, and to speak as well. And all of this stuff like takes a lot of time, but it's always more urgent because there, there is an actual deadline. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself doing a lot of that work and I, I think it's important and I, I can do a pretty decent job at it, I think, yep. uh, most of the time. But yeah, it's honestly not the work that I prefer to be doing. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you're talking about this kind of thing. And I mean, this comes into team dynamics and things like that. And usually this would be something that I'd be talking to people about, talking to their team leaders about. Because then it's okay, well, then define the role for the thing that you don't want to do or that is taking time away from the things that need to get done, define that role, and then go out and find somebody to do it. You know, it, again, it could be a team member that's already there, 
in an open source community, I wouldn't doubt at all that you could probably post something and say, hey, we're looking for somebody to fill this role. Here's what the role does, X, Y, Z, PDQ, ABC. And then somebody steps in and says, I'm interested, or you get a handful of people. So then you can sit down with them and you can say, okay, are you the right person for us to hand this off to? You find somebody and you hand it off. And then you can go back to being excellent at what you're at. And then you have somebody over there handling all that other stuff. And it it actually gets done better too, because then they're not focused splitting their focus, just like you're not splitting your focus. Yeah. And to, to, to give a shout out, like I, I have been trying to delegate a lot of this kind of work more and more to Jacob Schatz and Ben Hong, who have both like volunteered to take on like more of these kinds of responsibilities. And they are also oftentimes like better at it than me, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which, which works out really well. But yeah, I, a lot of times like there's, you know, knowledge or experience that only I have. So like something I do need to get better at is just like operationalizing the things that I do, like, Mm -hmm. you know, getting down the relevant information so that other people can like do that same kind of job without, you know, a bunch of things that are only in my head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny. I mean, that's a lot of what I've been working on this last year, as far as dev chat goes, is just getting those processes in place and things. And it's amazing once you really have clarity of vision, you know what your mission is, you know what you're working toward, you know, you know what values you want to instill into the community, then yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's like, okay, so now we need a process for this so that this happens in this way that lines up with the mission, the values, all that stuff. And then, yeah, you just, you knock it out of the park. It's like, okay, do it this way. And the other thing is, is you can also do it in such a way to where people can provide feedback and make those processes better. But then you get consistency you get, you know, all of the things that, that matter as far as the quality goes and everybody kind of knows what they're supposed to do and how it's supposed to be done. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I need to get better at that. That's something that I'm, I'm not very practiced at. And I, like in, in some ways, my experience like and, and training, like as a teacher, as an educator mm-hmm. has been really, really helpful. And it, this is one way where it's actually been like really, really unhelpful because as a teacher... Like you are doing everything yourself. Yeah. Like you are, you are just like leading everyone else's leading and shaping everyone else's experience so that like it's ideal for them and you don't really have opportunities to delegate. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, that's kind of hurt me in some ways. Yeah. My mom's a teacher. She teaches math at the high school over here. Yeah. I mean, how is she delegating? Well, she's listening to the show. (laughs) Probably not. She doesn't listen to the show. I'm sure she doesn't. No, she doesn't. You can be honest. Is she good at delegating? She has 10 kids. So yes, sometimes with force. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, that is the, probably the relevant experience that helps. <laughs> kids. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, all joking aside. I mean, she's the department head for the math department over here. And, you know, so she does delegate some things. Okay. And they do work together to, you know, build out curriculum and stuff across the same class, across multiple teachers. And things like that. So they they all work on curriculum and planning together. But yeah, when it comes down to actually teaching the class, I mean, it's it's you. Yeah, that's cool. So, like, I am kind of curious, what prompted you to start this podcast? Like, this seems like a more, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, possibly a more personal podcast. Yeah, than you've ever done before. So, I had a rough beginning of the year, and I don't need to go into all of it, but. Um, we had some financial struggles. I had some personal stuff. And then my dad passed away. 
And then I, you know, and so I, I didn't deal well with that for a while. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of came back out of the, the, oh crap, why does life suck? And, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I think it's just a normal process of life that you have to go through. But I came out of it and I was like, I don't know why I'm doing some of this. And yeah. I started thinking about it. I have a business coach that I hired in December of last year. And one of the things that he had pushed me on was coming up with a mission statement for devchat.tv. And so I'd been thinking about that too. And just, you know, what, what are we trying to accomplish here? Because it all kind of started out with, hey, let's talk about Ruby. And then let's talk about JavaScript. Oh, what else is freelancing? You know, uh, and so we, we kind of just expanded into shows where we kind of talk about stuff and we reflect the community. And there were some nice things there that were going on. And, and we really helped some people. But it, it didn't reflect what I wanted from it anymore, if that made sense. Yeah. So, you know, because initially it was just, hey, cool. I get to get on and talk to these cool folks about tech about Ruby, about JavaScript, about freelancing, about Angular, about, you know, whatever. But it wasn't enough anymore. And so, you know, I was like, you know, what? I, I, I do enjoy it. But, you know, what, what's the difference between when I, when I really feel it and when I really don't? And what I came to was that I'm really big on the idea of freedom, right? I want to be able to go do what I want. I want to be able to do it when I want. I want to be able to do it how I want. I don't want other people telling me what to do. I don't want people breathing down my neck. You know, I, I want to be able to explore technologies without having to do all of the hard stuff to get there, right? Necessarily. I just want to, if I'm doing Docker, I just want to be able to do Docker. I don't want to do a whole bunch of setup and config to get there, mm-hmm. right? Kind of thing. And so it's, it's okay. So I want to get all the stuff that's painful out of the way that, that's not painful in a way that makes me grow. And be able to focus in on, on the really relevant stuff. And that to me is some part of freedom. And then I started talking to other people and I realized that a lot of people are in their careers in there that just weren't happy with them. You know, I talked to a bunch of people for this getting a programming job book. Most of them were fairly new. And so it was pretty easy to point out, this isn't getting me where I want to go because I want to be a, a senior developer that blah, blah, blah. And I talked to a few people that had been programming for years and years and they were working in a job where you know, they felt stagnated by the technology choices. I think one guy was still working with like Sencha or EXTJS or something. And, and anyway, so they, you know, these people felt limited by what they were working in. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, that's, that's not freedom. And so it's like, okay, so what do these folks have to do to gain freedom? You know, what, what do they have to do to feel like, you know what? Yeah, I have room to stretch, room to grow, room to be what I want to be, room to do what I want to do. And I mean, it has to align. If you want to get paid, it has to align with somebody else's interests. Right. Mm-hmm. So they'll, so they'll give you money. But for the most part, you know, you can be pretty free and more and more companies are adopting technology. And so they, they're willing to pay you to do what you want to do. And somebody else is willing to pay the other person for what they want to do. Right. Because it mm-hmm. better aligns with what they are after. And so I'm just sitting there going, okay. So it started out kind of with my own journey toward freedom. Uh, Cause I'll tell you, as hard as it, as it is to be self-employed, I have been happier doing it, even though it's harder sometimes than I ever was in a full-time job. And for other people, yeah. I mean, it, it, to have to go out and do your own marketing would be like the worst thing ever, right? So and freedom, accounting and yeah. <laughs> yeah, so freedom's different for different people. I, I, fully, uh, yeah. I, I fully acknowledge that. But at the same time, you know, well then go figure out what it is that's gonna, you know, fire you up like this fires me up. And uh, I realized that that's where the difference was. The, the people that have really made 
the difference as far as me feeling good about what I've been doing for devchat.tv and the, the people that I've actually had come on the show as hosts and guests tend to be people that epitomize this in some way. They're, they're out there um, making a difference on their own or sometimes on a team. You know, I mean, you mentioned Sarah Drasner. She works for Microsoft on their evangelist yeah. team. And a lot of their team has a lot of that same um, feeling. You know, John Papa is another person that I feel like really embodies a lot of this stuff. But, yeah. um, you know, that, that was the thing. I've talked to people that made career switches. And it was like, the only reason I was able to get the job is because I could answer the interview questions. And I learned all the answers from JavaScript Jabber, you know, and, and then and then they start crying and telling me that um, because of that job change, they were able to move to a nicer neighborhood, put their kid in a nicer school, because they went from making $20,000 a year in a construction job to $60,000 a year in a, in a programming job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's that kind of thing over and over and over again. I felt like I couldn't do it. And then I heard somebody talk about imposter syndrome. I was depressed and you had an episode on developers and depression. I, I've been doing this for 20 years and I wasn't sure if I could make the switch to a new technology. And I started listening to your show and it gave me hope. You know, yeah. it, 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 all these personal messages where it's, you know, we, we open some doors for some people. And it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, let me open the doors, open the barnyard gate, get out there and be wherever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. Um, you know, and so some of it's money, some of it's, uh, coworkers, some of it's, you know, my boss sucks and I want a new one. Some of it's, um, <laughs> you know, I have a great boss and I never want to leave this place. You know, people find meaning in different things. And yeah. so I just want to help people figure out what that is and how to be there. And the programming field is getting so wide that you get a little bit, bit of experience and you can more or less wind up where you want to. And so I was like, there's no reason for these people not to have freedom. Let's help them get there. That sounds great. And would you say it was called again? It's the DevRev. The DevRev is short for the Developer Revolution. The DevRev. Cool. And by the time that this airs, will that be out? Yeah. Or is it out already? No, I'm, I'm going to be recording the first episode probably on Friday. I'll probably record three okay. or four episodes. And then I'll probably wind up releasing them next week as we talk about this. But we're like five weeks ahead on Views on View. So by the yeah. time Views on View, this episode comes out, it, it'll have been out for a little while. Cool. But I realized that was the difference I wanted to make. I've also been reworking some aspects of the show and some changes are coming down the pike. Um, I want to start doing like live streaming and getting feedback as we do the shows and let people know what's coming up. And, you know, maybe they can do some show prep too and ask us questions before we record. I set up a Discord channel, you know, just a whole bunch of different things that I've got in the works to to allow people to connect with us more and give us as the podcast hosts the opportunity not just to talk about cool stuff with you, but to talk about the stuff that's going to impact the way people work with you. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm also going to push to have a few more. Some of the shows are very tech focused. And I want, I want to have some more quote unquote soft skills, freedom talk in there as well. Mm-hmm. And that way, you know, we, we can hit people with ideas on how they can change their situation that may or may not have anything to do with the technology they use. So it's, it's, it's a devchat.tv wide idea. Mm-hmm. But the the flagship of that idea is going to be the DevRev. So yeah, so that's the plan. Cool. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to uh to checking it out when it when it comes out. Hopefully, you won't go through a lengthy process and getting it on like iTunes and stuff. <laughs> you know, sometimes I swear I've I've submitted some shows to iTunes and gotten an email back like in a day or two. Okay, you're approved. And other times I send it in and it's like weeks. So we'll see. It'll also be on YouTube if people want to find it there. Uh, oh, are you going to record video too? Uh-huh. Oh, nice. That's really so, cool. 
devchat.tv slash YouTube. We'll get it, get you to our YouTube channel and then just look for the DevRev. That's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, what do you think? Should we move on to picks? I was about to say, enough about that. Let's, let's do picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Okay. You have something you want to shout out about? Yeah. So the, the first thing is view vixens. I, I've talked about view vixens before, but you know, especially with this topic, you know, just like creating the kinds of communities that we want to be in and you know, just like feeling free, like feeling good mm-hmm. about like the, the work that we're doing. Uh, view vixens is like one of the biggest forces for like creating that kind of community that I really enjoy being a part of in view. Yeah. Uh, and, and big shout out to, uh, uh, Jen Looper, Natalia Teplujina for, for, for leading that. So grateful for them. And they're, they're constant like mentors and helping me like create the kinds of, uh, community that I, I want to build as well. Uh, Jen especially has a lot of experience in this area. Yeah. I just want to plus one that, um, I think sometimes we get, I've talked to people anyway, that get this idea about women in tech and, uh, you know, some of the more negative people out there that are talking about it. But these programs like View Vixens, they're, they're the things that make the difference because they're out there and they're empowering people to come and feel welcome mm-hmm. and get involved and learn tech. And, and that's a powerful thing, you know. So, you know, no matter how you feel about some of the issues surrounding this, these kinds of movements, I think, are the future of programming and are really going to make the difference as far as the tone uh, that people encounter as they come into programming. And if we can empower more people to feel like they can do it, I mean, that's just awesome. Yeah, big time. And they, they, they provide a lot of resources, like their, their workshop materials like are available online for like anyone to take part in. Like yeah. you have to identify as a woman to go to one of their workshops, but like on their, on their blog and in their workshops, like they produce a lot of like educational materials for the entire community mm-hmm. uh, and, and do a great job like practicing the compassion that I uh, I always like seeing more of. Well, and just to, to your point of you have to identify as a woman. Um, I've been to Railsbridge. I've been to NG Girls. I've been to a couple of other ones. I can't remember all of the names um, of just some of their meetings or get togethers, you know, just kind of walked in to see what they were doing. And I've seen men walk into them when they had an extra seat or two and sit down. They find out, oh, it's, you know, girls, women, fixings, whatever, you know. And, um, and they're like, oh, well, can I stay? And everybody just looks at them like, yeah, there's a seat, you know, and so they get help too. So 
Um, okay, well, not- I, I do want to say, I do want to say at View Vixens, you cannot stay. <laughs> oh, you cannot stay? Okay. No, no, no. Uh, because like, uh, otherwise, then it just becomes like a general purpose workshop and it kind of loses its, its original mission. So like that's... That's fair. That is enforced. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I spoke out of turn. Definitely, there. you know, c- come by and say hi. But yeah, if you do not identify as a woman, please like, you know, they have limited resources and limited yeah. like staff to get people individual attention. Like, please let them allocate resources to their core mission. That's fair. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in here with a pick really quick because uh, I have Adventures in Angular coming up next. So one pick that I have is repurpose.io. Um, now, we're using Zoom to do this. Eventually, I'm going to switch our calls over to a webinar setup on Zoom. And that includes live streaming episodes. And so I've been live streaming. Ruby Rogues right now is the show that I've been doing it with. We've been live streaming to Facebook. Uh, Repurpose.io also will allow you to um, stream from Facebook. So I'm streaming into Facebook Live. It'll take that Facebook live stream and stream it to YouTube. And so we get just a little bit more reach and allow more people to find uh, the stuff. And then if they like our page, then they can watch it there. And anyway, um, so I'm really excited about that Repurpose.io. The other pick that I have is a podcast I've been listening to called MFCEO. Uh, MF stands for mother effing. Um, I try not to use language on the show, but um, anyway, uh, the thing that I, that's really refreshing about the show is that uh, the host, Andy, he just tells it how it is. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He calls people out for, you know, not taking responsibility for their life um, and, you know, just gives straight up advice. Hey, look, this is what works. And I just find it refreshing. It feels like a lot of uh, business gurus are just out there kind of repeating whatever the hot topic is of the day. And they don't really give it to you as far as, hey, look, no, you got to actually work, you know, or, um, you know, if you're not going to take responsibility for it, nobody else going to take responsibility for you. So get out and try. So anyway, I've, I've been finding it really, really, really um, encouraging, even though he's his language. If you're if it bothers you, somebody dropping F-bombs and stuff, then uh, definitely don't listen to this show. <laughs> Um, but for me, it, it's been really nice to just kind of have that voice in my ear going, no, go for it. I, I get you're tired. Go for it. You know, so <laughs> anyway, those are my picks. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up here. Thanks for coming, Chris. Yeah, I, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we could do an episode today. Yeah, we had our guest cancel and I guess that's the way it goes. Sometimes she was sick. He was sick. It's a, it's a foreign name, so I'm not 100% sure, but they were sick. So yeah, I think... I think it was, or I, I think it sounded like a he to me, but yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. I don't remember. Anyway, they're going to reschedule, so we will definitely have them back on. Cool. All righty. Well, we'll talk to you later. Adios, everybody. Enjoy the view. <laughs> Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.